This is a bonus episode with me and my new Muay Thai coach, George G. Money Stallworth. We don't really talk much business. We just talk mostly straight Muay Thai. So enjoy it. Subscribe. Leave a review on Apple Podcast and or just share it with a friend. Let's go to the episode. figure out what what's a good time typically when we do interviews they're on fridays as well normally about this time or maybe a little earlier ryan smith he's he's our basically our computer guru guy so i try to have him available or, or work around his schedule for it but i would love to have you on ours as well okay yeah no that'll be fine okay that'll be, be fine well we have another uh bonus episode of the ask philip podcast maybe it's going to be a, a recurring theme right since movie ties becoming a a big part of my life. As a matter of fact, I, I counted like last week. I was like, man, I spend, I spend a good chunk of time every week on, on movie time, man. This, this is becoming more than just a hobby. So uh, I, yeah, I, I have a new coach, coach G money, George star, star worth. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show, George. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me on, bro. It's been a pleasure and a blessing to have you around. I don't know. Man. I, I, I've, I've learned a lot in a short period of time. And, and I was telling uh, TJ, who introduced us the other day, I, he, you know, he, he was getting feedback. And I was like, I was like, yeah, man. I said, look, man, I said, I think George is like good people. Like he actually, because, you know, TJ read your energy and he, you know, he's like, he, he got good energy now. And I was like, yeah, man. I said, he's somebody who I like can really like be friends with. Like he's a, he's a cool, you know, just a really good person. And so, um, and so no, nah, man, I, I appreciate that because, uh, you know, um, there's a knowledge transfer that happens, which doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like the person. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, but you're like a good, a good person, man. So. I, I could give you some experiences on having coaches where that knowledge transfer is there, and you and the coach don't always see eye to eye. So <laughs> I can understand that, man. Yeah. yeah. So how, how long have you been uh, involved in uh, first martial arts, and then when did you find Muay Thai? I've actually been in martial arts pretty much all my life in some shape, form, or fashion, man. As a child, um, I started in Shotokan Karate. I think we share um, that background, as a matter of fact, man. When I was a kid, my parents put me in Shotokan Karate at the local YMCA um, down in Greenville, Mississippi, under the Catawars, Catawar um, Shotokan Karate Association. Did that for years. Um, fought as a child in, in tournaments and things like that. Um, probably around... 14, 15 years old, I think, is when I, I stopped training karate. Not by choice, necessarily. It was just a family situation. My parents broke up, and it, it was just a, probably more so a financial situation. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't train any martial arts for quite a few years. Uh, got to college, and I, I wouldn't say I started training again, but there, there were these... These fraternities were having these, like, barroom brawl <laughs> fundraisers, I, I guess is what you'd call them. And so I participated in a couple of those. So that really kind of ignited the, 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 the flame in me to, to not necessarily train, but to want to fight again. Uh, but that was only, you know, once or twice a year. That wasn't like a regular thing. And, and, you, can't, and you can't move past this. Barroom bro. How, how did how you do a barroom bro? That sounds amazing. <laughs> so these fraternities would actually partner with local bars. I, I went to the University of Mississippi. And so if, if, if you know anything about... Uh, Ole Miss, it is a party school. Um, so there's this square down down in the area and all the bars are there. And occasionally these these bar owners would partner with some of the fraternities to do fundraisers and they'd actually put a ring up in the bar and allow you to sign up there and fight. It, you know, it was, of course, non-sanctioned or anything like that. And you, you never know what you got walking in there. There, there was some some good times though. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I got to pass that word to my undergrad chapter. That'd be good. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go ahead. But uh, from there, didn't do anything for quite some time, man. Moved on with life. Um, finally, back around 2012, 2013, I moved here to the Dallas area. And I was driving by this MMA school all the time. And finally, one day, something just struck me and I walked in and saw a couple of the instructors. Didn't, didn't pay much mind. That was just, you know, one visit. Didn't, didn't actually introduce myself or talk to anyone that I remember. I remember seeing this one particular instructor who later on would become a really good friend of mine. 
Um, finally went back, started training, and I actually started training jujitsu of all things to start out with, hmm. even though I had this striking background. So I'm at this MMA school training jujitsu, um, getting to meet a, a few of the fighters, becoming really good friends with most, mostly everybody there in that school. And finally, one of the fighters was, was like, hey, man, why don't you come on and um, try our striking class? It was, it was a, they called it a Muay Thai class, but it was really more of a, a MMA striking class. Right, right. And I go in, and, and the first day in there, it's like sparring. And, you know, I haven't done anything in a while or whatever, so I'm rusty as I don't know what. But all of a sudden, I'm, I'm giving these guys a hard time because of my background. I, I was used to point striking already, so this wasn't a far-fetched, you know, jump for me to, to leap into this. Um, and I remember, I think, one of the coaches or someone had talked to me about, hey, man, I'd really like to – to have you come in and work with our guys something. I'm like, me? No, <laughs> like I just came in for class. I just want to train. <laughs> so anyway, that, that started to develop and I started helping and assisting with the fight team there, um, cornering fighters and things like that. But at some point I felt like I was there to learn and I wasn't increasing my skill set. Mm -hmm. And I, that was becoming increasingly frustrating for me. Um, one of my training partners um, told me about this Muay Thai school that he had been going to recently. And I don't even think he addressed it as a Muay Thai school. He, he just said that he was training somewhere else for his striking. He invited me to come out and check it out. And it happened to be Rojas Muay Thai here in Garland, Texas. Okay. I went out and immediately, man, I loved it from the first, got my, my I wouldn't say I got my butt handed to me, but just the, the difference in the training regimen that a Muay Thai school had compared to what I was accustomed to and had been seeing with MMA was so different. And even though it was hard, I loved it. That, that's what I was looking for. Um, started training at Rojas um, for about a year, year and a half, um, maybe, yeah, somewhere off in there, I'm guessing. And absolutely loved the school, but unfortunately had a falling out with the owner and teacher there. Um, right around that same time, I'd started working at Title Boxing Club. I was teaching mm -hmm. or an instructor there. And an opportunity presented itself to um, begin a kids program at a local rec center. And I wanted to do it as a striking program. I have a striking background, those kind of things. I went and talked to my coach and she was like, yeah, go ahead, do you, make your money, talk to my husband, make sure you clear everything out. Got my little uh, rec center school up and going, dark side MMA originally. I'm about three months in to running this school, got kids coming in, got parents coming in, people depending on me. But I'm going to Muay Thai training and I'm noticing all of a sudden my coach is not, just not dealing with me in the same manner. I'm not getting any pad work from my coach. Um, the, the conversation is short, sweet, and uh, you know, just nothing over. Um, and so finally one day I, I, I sat down and I had a conversation with her. I was like, hey, what's up? Why, why am I feeling like this? What's, what's going on between us? And she, she didn't cut any, any angles with me. She said, George, you're not one of my fighters and you're teaching. She's like, you know, I, 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 she didn't like it hmm. is what it boiled down to. She felt like I, I shouldn't be teaching or coaching yet. And looking back in retrospect, she is absolutely 100% correct. But if I hadn't taken that route, if I hadn't done those things, I wouldn't be where I am today with this. But going back to her point, we're, we're sitting down, we're having this conversation and the relationship between a coach and a student is, 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 is essential to the student. It, it, it becomes a real bond between the two of you. Mm -hmm. um, so this hurt, man, because here I am, you know, wanting to train, wanting to, to keep, not keep, but to have the approval of my coach, not just to teach, but to train even. And we're at odds and I don't know how to fix this. You know, and so I, I asked her, hey, what can I do to make this better? What can I do to make this right? I'm willing to do whatever, you know, and she was like, I can't really tell you what to do. And I think my next question was something like, hey, um, am I welcome here? And for me, that was, that was a pretty pointed, straight yes or no question. And the response I got was something like, You're, well, you can always train here. Or something mm. like that. So to me, they, they, you know, they, there's an unspoken language, just in fighting in general. There's unspoken words that right. take place. You, you, there's an understanding. So at that point, I, I wasn't. It wasn't that I wasn't comfortable there, but I realized I probably wasn't wanted there. Right. And that really hurt. Um, so I left, and for a while, 
I didn't I didn't get to train Muay Thai. I wasn't I wasn't training anywhere specifically. But at the time I was still teaching. I was still working at Title, teaching there and working with my kids over at the rec center. Um, fast forward probably maybe a year, not even that long, maybe. Um, I decided, hey, I, I need to I need to keep increasing my skill set. So um, I go to Saxon Muay Thai here in Plano, Texas. I've heard I, I've heard them. I think I think TJ might have told me about them when I first got here, and I was like, bro, Plano's like on the other side of the globe for me. Mm-hmm. It was somebody so, told me about them. Went to Saxon Muay Thai just to try a class. I, I wasn't really looking to to get back into training, but again, I wanted to increase my skill set, and um, immediately signed up, started going to class, things like that. I'd say within the first two months of me being there, um, Saxon pulls me to the side and says, hey, I want you to teach. And here I am again now. Now I've really got this this mind. Uh, is this a PG-rated podcast? No, no, no. So now I've got this mind fuck going on because Saxon was my ex-coach's coach. Oh, wow. So here, here I was. I wasn't good enough to teach for you, but your coach has asked me to teach. And I'm like, it, this it, again, you know, and again, this goes also goes back to the relationship between a coach and a student. So n- there, there was just just this junction that was really throwing me off mentally. Like, you know, I, I wasn't accepted here, but now I'm being accepted here. And this is a more prestigious school. And in, 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 in terms of Muay Thai, like, you know, what is it that's going on? What did I do something wrong there? You know, there, there's all these questions that are flooding my brain. And I don't know, but of course, Saxon asked me to coach. I'm going to coach. Started out teaching uh, classes for him. Um, did that for about a year while training because I was only teaching one class a week there. I think it's Saturday class. So I, I, I was getting the best of both worlds. I was getting to teach and getting to train as well. And I was still running my kids program at the rec center. So I was helping their skill set, their skill set level increase. So um, did that for quite some time. Um, I'm trying to remember at some point I transitioned more into teaching outside. Uh, by this time also, I've totally left corporate world. Like this is all I do now mm-hmm. is Muay Thai coaching, teaching. This, this is my day-to-day life. And, um, uh, fast forward again, I'm trying to remember where we're at in here. I'm teaching for Saxon. I transitioned over. I started teaching his kids class at some point. I'm running classes for a title, um, uh, running my dark side program decided to leave title at some point. And one of my mentors um, at the time, or still to this day, is a t- uh, uh, the owner of Ohana Mixed Martial Arts over in Richardson. I talked to her for a while and she put me on with Daniel Hines, the owner of Prav Maga DFW. Daniel was beginning to, I guess, incorporate a, a combat sports program into his Krav Maga school. He had already hired Gilson Nunez, a world-class BJJ player for the jiu-jitsu portion. And he was looking for a good Muay Thai coach and Mona suggested meeting him. This was about two years ago. Um, went in for the first class, took a class under Daniel as my, I guess, my interview. Uh, and of course the, the interview included sparring. So I had to spar just about everybody in the gym. <laughs> um, and after that, he told me, he's like, yeah, I'd love to ha- hire you. And that was about two years ago. And I've been rocking it at Krav Maga DFW ever since, man. It's been, I, I look back upon my, my tenure there so far. And initially, I, I, I guess I was giving myself a hard time. But when I look back now and look at all the things that have taken place there at that school and the time that I've been there, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not even kind of, I'm well pleased with the progress that's been made there. So, yeah, no, and, it, and it's a, good environment the facility looks excellent like it's it's nice you know i'm i'm a newbie in here so i don't know what's nice relative to whatever but from what i've seen on youtube videos and where i've trained like it's you can tell they you know it's a it's a standard of excellence you know i remember my first time walking into that gym i pulled up and this is for the interview in my head i've got this idea of what krav maga is so I'm walking in thinking I'm, I'm finna see maybe, you know, maybe a, a, a normal type gym, maybe some weights and things like that. And nothing specific to, to martial arts training. I, I just had this weird connotation of what Krav Maga was in my head. And I walk in and I see what looks more like an, a, tr- a traditional MMA or even a Muay Thai school. There's, there's heavy bags up. There's a big Fairtex bag. Uh, they, they got uppercut bags. And I'm like, what? what? 
Like Krav Maga people don't even wear gloves. What is this? What's going on here? And then I walk into the back and there's an actual ring that's elevated. Like, oh my God, like, I can't believe this. This is, this is made in heaven. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, and then to, to actually get there and start teaching some of the students and to realize that some of them actually already had somewhat of a skill set, you know. Um, I, you've been there long enough to, to see, I don't know if you've met some of the older students who are there, but particularly some of the ladies there, Lizzie, um, mm -hmm. Brianna, if you look at their, their, their Muay Thai skill set, you, you can see that these, these people actually are involved in Muay Thai. This is not someone who, who just has a basic striking skill set and right. calls themselves a Muay Thai artist. So. Right. Yeah, that, that, that's what I had to learn because I, you know, um, as you know, and I don't think I explained this to all of my listeners. Um, I mean, similarly, like you said, we started in Shotokan. I did a little bit of uh, jujitsu grappling in college. I didn't know it was jujitsu. I just knew it was some MMA guy in the gym that was like swole. <laughs> and he was like, oh. we used to watch wrestling. So I was like, cool, we want to wrestle too. You know, so we used to just like wrestle and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, so then, you know, watch the UFC. And, uh, but I grew up with the guy who got me in, in into Muay Thai this year. And I thought he was going to be a boxer. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole time, because he, he, he had Roy Jones stuff all in his room. He used mm -hmm. to, you know, fight everybody. Um, and I had him on the podcast. Uh, it was the, for those, for those who want to go back and listen to it, it's the TJ, uh, TJ, I mean, I called him Terrence. It took me like two months. He said, man, that's my, that's my government name. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. What do you want me to call you, sir? You know, so TJ, TJ Johnson uh, episode, but um, but yeah, I was like, I was like, Muay Thai, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause you gotta, you gotta get, understand the context of we're both from Houston, you know what I'm saying? Southwest side, like we box. Matter of fact, we weren't even allowed to kick. You know what I'm saying? Karate was okay because, you know, we embraced Bruce Lee, but, but <laughs> Muay Thai, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you talking about? Who does Muay Thai that's black? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so when he got into it, I was like, okay, I can, you know, whatever. I, I just need to work out. Uh, but, but to make the long story, uh, to make the long story um, short, because I got on a tangent, I was going to say, uh, um, dang it, you said something that triggered me to, I was going to, I was leading up to something and I forgot it for a second. Anyway. But speaking of tangents, you just mentioned something about how we weren't even allowed to kick. I remember growing up as a child and because I was in karate and all the, the, the neighborhood guys, you know, whenever you would get into a tussle or anything with them, it was always that connotation like, oh, you wouldn't win if you couldn't kick. Oh, you, you know, <laughs> if not for kicking, you know, you wouldn't be shit, you know, that kind of thing there. So I, I, I always wondered where that negative connotation came where I can't use certain limbs of my body to defend myself in the black community. Like anybody that kick, oh, well, you, you know, you, you can't really fight, you just kick. You know? <laughs> I, I, I guess it's kind of like that respect era, man, where they, they ain't stab folks, they ain't shoot folks. It was just, if we're going to settle this, we're going to settle it with hands. You know what I'm saying? Because kicks is dangerous, man, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Especially the Muay Thai kicks. Um, yeah, oh, that's all I was going to say. So so when I got in, because you mentioned different gyms, uh, I, 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 we were meeting virtually. And so I went to a gym, and the instructor was great. Great guy, nice guy. He's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy, but they had the Muay Thai class. But like you said, it wasn't Muay Thai. It was probably more Dutch boxing, right? So I'm. So my next question, it was leading to my next question, like what are the different, you know, styles of Muay Thai? Is, Muay Thai? is it just traditional Muay Thai? Is the real Muay Thai? Or, you know, since it's become westernized, is there, you know, is Dutch kickboxing considered Muay Thai, right? Is kickboxing... I think the kickboxing rules have evolved, right? They can do more clinching, right? Is that kind of evolving it, into Muay Thai? Or? It really depends on the promotion is what I'm seeing these days. A lot of promotions um, <clears throat> are starting to allow more of the clinch. The clinch is the one thing that definitely differentiates Muay Thai from any of your other stand-up striking arts. In Muay Thai, we are allowed to clinch. And to, to if you just want to basically break down what the clinch is, it's stand-up wrestling to some degree. I'm able to move and manipulate your body with my gloves on, and I can off-balance you enough to either toss you, dump you, sweep you, trip you, and or strike you as a result of my, my interplay with the clinch with you. 
you don't get that in a lot of other stand-up striking sports. Maybe some, um, I think, sambo wrestling or something like that. I could be wrong. Don't, don't quote me on that. But you really don't see that in a lot of your other martial arts, stand-up martial arts. As far as kickboxing and, and K1 and Dutch style and things like that, they, they, they typically don't allow the clinch play at all. It is literally, you wind up in, in the clinch, you're allowed to throw one, maybe two strikes, and then break. Whereas in Muay Thai, the clinch is almost um, wanted. I, when I, when, in a Muay Thai fight, I want to clinch you. I want to engage that with you to test where I met with you. I, I want to see how, how well my clinch stands up versus yours. Um, so I think that those are the biggest differences in, in K1 and Dutch kickboxing. You really don't see it at all. It, it's separated as quickly as possible. Uh, you might be allowed to throw one strike in the clinch and then separate it. So, so, so here's my nerd question. This is specifically for Philip Washington, because you, you also, so you've seen it, you, you ref it. You also are a student of the game. Cause I, I saw your Instagram where you met, Met like a lot of the folks that have trained in Thailand. I don't even, were you in Thailand? I don't even know. Um, never been to Thailand. Unfortunately, I've, I've never been. Uh, goal is to go one day. I got some things keeping me from going right now, though. Yep, but, 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 but you see the difference. So, and I feel like if, if you're doing Muay Thai and Western, right, isn't, isn't, do you see a lot of clinching done by Westerners when you're in these matches? I, you know, I didn't at the, at the Fury event that I went to, and I was like, Hmm, clinching is the secret weapon, right? I mean, am I, am I right on that or? Yeah, absolutely right. And that's why we're focusing on it in this camp. <laughs> I wish you had been in, in, in class last night. There was a lot of uh, clinching going on. But no, um, just like you spoke at, at the Fury event, most of the, I guess I, I would call, even though this was called a Muay Thai point um, tournament, most of the people that show up and participate in a lot of your striking exchanges, striking tournaments, striking uh, matches here come from an MMA background okay. and as a result they don't particularly train the clinch at least not traditional clinch in the sense of Muay Thai they may train more of an MMA style clinch where hey I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing you and I'm trying to put you up against a cage or somewhere so that I can strike to get you to the ground and that's a big difference in Muay Thai no I'm clinching you to hang on and to devastate you while in the clinch I have no intentions other than maybe sweeping you of even worrying about the ground my, my goal is to basically make you quit or shut down in the clinch. I want to overwhelm you so much that you, you're defeated mentally and basically break and give up. Mm, mm. No, I, I, I love that, man. That's, that's why I love the, print, the, 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 uh, the clinch. You answered some of these questions, but I'm going to pick through some of the ones that we didn't, mm -hmm. we didn't cover. Uh, but what are, what are some of like the important principles or philosophies you use when you're training and teaching Muay Thai? You hear me say this a lot about being balanced, about being upright, about um, and not just looking good, but but being technical. And I, I, I try to, I guess, put forth those philosophies in my life as well as training, as well as coaching, as well as my own training. Um, and my, I want my, my Muay Thai to be balanced. I want my Muay Thai to be upright. I want to stand up tall. I want to present this image of a, a great Muay Thai fighter who works through these principles. Um, and if you, a lot of my hobbies also include the same thing, um, weird enough to say. One of my hobbies is the steel mace. And the mace is all about lines, being linear, being upright, having good balance, being in proper position. Those are the same tenets that, that I try to teach in Muay Thai. Those are the same tenets that I, I try to evoke in my life. So um, it, it's weird how all those line up together. I was, I actually recently started doing yoga. Hmm. Very similar principles as well. Being upright, being balanced, being poised, you know, maintaining the position, being able to hold, not just to obtain the position, but hold it in, in essence, dominate it much like in the clinch. Uh, being able to off balance other people as a result and capitalize as a result of that, being able to sweep, trip, dump, and or just off balance someone. So those are a lot of the philosophies in life that, that I try to, to evoke as a coach, um, as a fighter myself, and just principles I like to incorporate or find, find in my life. Yeah, yeah, yoga is difficult. I, I try a few times a year, and uh, I, I'm a master at one year. I can only do one more thing at a time. <laughs> Uh, so, um, and you, you kind of, I'm gonna come back to this one, uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to this next one. I might come back to that one. So 
what do you see top performers do that underachievers don't? And let me let me let me give some context, right? So like in the investing world, right? It's it's okay, pre 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 the thirty thousand hours I put in to be an expert, right? Because I put in more than ten thousand hours, but pre pre thirty thousand hours, I had an idea of what a successful invest what a successful investor would do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now thirty thousand hours in. I realized, oh, it's super simple. It's not difficult, right? It's, it's first decide, do you want to be the, the, the professional investor, which is a different track, right? Or do you want to just make a lot of money in investing, but not spend 40 hours a week on it, right? First choose paths, right? And most people, most people are saying, I don't want to be a professional like in Muay Thai. They're saying, I don't want to be Rod Tang, you know what I'm saying? Because, hey, I can't. He started at nine years old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but I just want to, I just want to be good, um, you know, as, as this being my hobby. So, so, um, and, and, and that is relatively simple and in investing a simple, super simple formula that some people overlook. And when I tell them, they're like, oh, no, it's not that easy. I'm like, no, it's that easy. So, so in this context, like, um, uh, t- top performers that are not Rod Tang, and maybe you could take what Rod Tang does, maybe it's the same, but in that context, what do the top performers do that everybody else miss? You, you've already touched upon it. It's the consistency, showing up when others won't show up, showing up when you don't want to show up, showing up when you're sick, when you're, when you're not feeling it, when you're having a bad day. Because those are the days you actually get better, I believe. Mm. Um, so number one, the, the, the thing that top performers do um, that underachievers don't is that consistency and just being there, showing up. You're able to obtain so much knowledge just being in that atmosphere, much less the actual training itself. Um, as a coach, that, that's, that's one of the things I think I'm a much better coach than I will ever be a fighter. I'm, I'm 47 years old now. My fighting days, for the most part, are done. Um, I've only had four fights. But because over the last seven, eight years that I've been teaching, that consistency of showing up every day to teach has made me a better coach. It's made my Muay Thai better as a result. Um, it, it's, it's done things in my life that, that I didn't quite understand as I was going through it. Vice versa. I see it in, in, in beginner students. Those students who show up consistently can be brand new and they will, their, their skill set will increase so much quicker than the guy who shows up once a week and you know haphazardly throws you know he's not invested in it mentally or anything like that whereas I've got somebody who their athleticism isn't the greatest at all they they you know they they got two left feet but if that person shows up every day they're going to get better hands down no way around it and you know you I think you see it in some of the the newer if if you paid attention in to some of the the people in our classes here at Krav Maga DFW most of that class is entirely new, has, has been training anywhere from two to three months. And those that, that are showing up more consistently are increasing their, their skill set. Those who aren't, you, you see it in the sparring classes, those guys who come to sparring but don't show up to class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then a girl shows up and all of a sudden she's two-piece and, you know, one of our big boys or something. It's like they started at the same time. Why did one person get better and the other one didn't? So, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's the number one thing I, I, I could say that, that your top achievers have is that consistency of showing up and putting in the work. The number two thing I would say is that, that thirst for knowledge or that inquisitiveness that, that makes people want to consistently, hey, what else can I do? What, how can I make this better? Where should I be going to next? What can I do outside of here? Having that thirst or that inquisitiveness uh, definitely increases, helps that person increase. So, Okay. And, and, and this is what I'm also like, so, so whenever I, my wife will tell you, whenever I get in something, like I get in it, like my nine year old is me, he's the same way. Like, I'm like, um, yeah, it's just, I think it was a coping mechanism because I always got really good grades, but I don't remember things well, naturally, you know, I'm very, um, I don't remember names, but I'm very like money and process oriented, you know, um, numbers. And so I have to spot the pattern and things. And so in order to kind of like a computer, like my, I have to feed my brain lots of data, just lots of more than most, because I'm not going to remember, I'm not going to remember things like you're going to, you, you might show me something 
in class and I guarantee I won't remember it. I have to, I have to do it over and over again. And, and then over time, when I download the data in my head, I begin to spot patterns. And then I'm like, oh, so I know how to do this because the pattern of this is, is this, right? And so I haven't got to that stage yet in Muay Thai because it takes a while. But have you noticed in Muay Thai that there are those things after you've been doing it for a while where you're like, okay, if I understand how this works, then I, I know how to apply this skill because it's just the same, same, same kind of deal. Absolutely. In, in my, especially in my private classes, and I try to do it in, in my regular classes as well. <clears throat> I, I try to use processes to teach technique. I think we were doing it the other day. I, I broke out the foam roller and a cone. And mm-hmm. I said, hey, I want you to kick through the tunnel. Just kick through the tunnel, no matter what. And in that, the process is I'm trying to make you kick in a straight line instead of rounding the kick. It would be simple for me to tell you, hey, I don't want you to round your kick. But everybody, that, that might not click in your head. You might not understand. What does he mean, rounding the kick? It's called a roundhouse kick by karate folks. That's what mm-hmm. I learned growing up as a child. Uh-huh. Who is this guy? He doesn't know Muay Thai. He's telling me not to throw a roundhouse kick. Vice versa, I tell you, I, I, the kick that I like to teach, the kick that I'm working on myself now, I like to hide it. And the way I hide it is by throwing it straight up and cutting through you like a Ginsu blade. So I, I really try to work on processes to teach technique. Um, you're you're going to see it when we start talking about rotating the hip some of the ways that I try to, to teach people to turn the hip over and some of the, the techniques I use to reinforce that muscle memory. So that's where I go with that. Instead of just showing you a technique and expecting you to figure out a way to emulate or, or learn that technique, I try to break it down and give you little bitty baby bites, almost baby food of mm-hmm. how to put yourself into the technique mentally, muscular wise, and, and any other way that needs to so that you understand the points behind the technique, not just what, what you saw someone do. Yeah, no, I like that. And, and I will have to say, I'm not just saying it because you're on the podcast. <clears throat> One of the reasons why I'm having you on the podcast is you, you are a good teacher, right? I always say there's the, it's actually a rarity for like Kobe Bryant to become Bill Belichick, right? As a matter of fact, the best coaches, Bill Belichick, um, Nick Saban, uh, you know, Popovich, Right. I mean, they were they were players, but they weren't like I mean, they weren't that good. I don't, yeah. I don't think any of them went to the Hall of Fame for football or first team, whatever. So I almost think like some of the some of the it's harder for a top performer uh, to coach or to teach. Yeah, it's kind of like me in the in the wealth management business. I've been doing this for 14 years. They put me on a leadership team when I was at another big company. They wanted me to coach other other advisors. And uh, and I was terrible at it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I was like, I don't know how to motivate you to work, bro. Like, work. You in here crying because you didn't hit your goals because you didn't work. Go work. And they're like, Philip, <laughs> I don't understand it. I'm, I'm like, you got a wife and kids. I got a wife and kids. Go work, right? So, because it's hard with people who are super driven like that to, to, uh, uh, and not that you, not that Bill, Bill, Bill Check is super driven. I'm just saying, you know, I was a high performing wealth manager. You know what I'm saying? So I couldn't understand how to move somebody who wasn't there to the next level, which I think a great coach can, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and a great coach can work with the um, Kobe Bryant's, you know what I'm saying, and the, and the Shaqs uh, and all that. But um, I think it's a skill set that, that, that you have, man. You, you got it. I, I think one of the thing that, that things that makes me a better coach is because I'm not the greatest fighter or or such a great fighter, or I wouldn't even consider myself necessarily good in terms of ranking. It's that when I go into train and you teach me something new, I suck at it. I I, literally, I suck at it, but because I suck at it, I have to learn to break it down into small bites. And that that's what allows me to be able to transform it later on and teach it so much better than I was ever able to perform it. Uh, My coach now Saxon, he hates my kick. Hates it with a passion. He really? sees me kick. Yes, absolutely. Hates it. You got a nice but kick. It, huh? I know I have a nice kick, but, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but it's not his kick. You get uh, what I'm saying? And uh, as a result, though, you know, I, I've my kick has gone through an evolution over the years because when I first started training again, I told you I was at an MMA school. I had a karate kick. 
It was quick. It was flippy. It was all these things that it shouldn't have been, especially for MMA. But it kept people off of me. They were, they, it was dangerous because people didn't want to advance as a result of it. Um, but also it was dangerous for me because I'm kicking with my foot. I, broken toes, broken foot, damaged foot, things like that. And so I, I had to evolve that kick. So it, it changed. Then I started Muay Thai training. My kick sucked again because the kick I had was not an appropriate kick for Muay Thai either. Um, began to, to try to learn that kick and couldn't get my hip to turn over. Couldn't get my foot to turn. Didn't know what to do with my hands. My hands were all over the place. I looked like a cheerleader throwing that kick. Finally starting to tighten it down and started to understand that. And, um, and again, I tell you, you stopped training for a while, um, was only working at title. That I had to say was a game changer because there every day I'm teaching class. Every day I'm having to demonstrate a kick. Every day I'm having to kick multiple times because I taught multiple classes throughout the day. So every day I'm getting in at thousand plus reps mm. of kicks because I was just doing so much. Didn't have to have an instructor. I'm just doing that kick and I'm beginning to understand the way my muscles are, are behaving or not behaving when I kick. And so again, this was the evolution of my kick. It was steady moving forward or backwards in some cases because I got another coach now who's telling me your kick sucks. You kick like a little girl. You kick like some other expletives. <laughs> <laughs> and so even now to this day, I, I, you know, I've really had to learn, especially having a coach such as Saxon, where I spoke about this earlier. We, we as students, we look for the approval of our instructors. Yeah. You're not always going to get that period point blank, you know? And so at some point you have to realize that, you know, my martial arts progress is my progress. Right. I'm not here to please this person. I'm not here. It's, it's, am I happy with where I'm at right now in this, in, in this part of my game, in this part of my life, in this part of my training. And if I am, then that's good. If I'm not, what can I do to change it to make it better? Um, but yeah, I'm sorry, I got off on a tangent, but I think we, we were going back to. No, I think, I think it's good. And, and to give folks context so they don't think I just insulted you because they're, they're like, oh, you basically said, uh, uh, George can't fight. No, George can fight. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is a, lot, a lot of folks say, no, I got to be trained by Sanchai or somebody who fought in Thailand for, you know, for years. And I'm like, I don't know if that, ma that makes the, you know, the, you know, uh, the best coach always, right? You know, um, you, I, I you see it a lot with MMA fighters, man. A lot of the MMA coaches were guys who fought, maybe had one or two fights, and they weren't the greatest fighters, but they're really good coaches. Mm -hmm. You look at Winkle Johns and, and Greg Jackson's. Um, uh, one of my favorite coaches, Kieran Fitzgibbons, he's one of my mentors. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't remember hearing about a story, fight history with him. But he's a great coach. He, he's one of the guys I look up to. Um, here in, in, um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you see the same thing. You see a lot of decent coaches, great coaches, but they probably didn't, didn't have um, stellar fight careers. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not uncommon. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to figure out my, my fit in the Muay Thai world because it's, it's my new love. But, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, you can be great at everything, or anything, but not everything, right? So I'm like, had I had I had I started at nine, I think I would have been, because I do whatever it takes to be the best. Like I'm, but I'm like, I'm 36 starting. What do I want to be good at, right? I want to progress in my skills, but I don't want to be a professional. I just want to be a, a good hobbyist, right? Yeah. I'm like I'm like I'm like, and I don't know if I have the time to to coach, uh, folks. I was like, maybe 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 as Muay Thai becomes a big business in America, I can like I can get in on the business side. You know, <laughs> it's interesting you brought that up, uh, Muay Thai in America and, and, and the state of Muay Thai, because that was one of the things I, I kind of wanted to, to touch on today. Um, and you having worked with TJ and, and seeing things from, from some different areas as well. You know, what, what's your take on Muay Thai, not just here in America? Let's just talk, let's talk locally here in Texas. I don't know how familiar you are or aren't with, with a lot of the, the Muay Thai community here, but... What has been your take on Muay Thai here in Texas? Yeah, my, my take is limited from limited experience and talking to TJ and guys at my old gym who's done it. But I, I, I feel like Texas is like you said, MMA, a lot of MMA folks, right? A lot of, um, a lot of MMA folks, like nobody knows who um, Petch Boone, 
True is. Nobody knows who Rotang is. Nobody knows who Sagat is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, they were like me five months ago. But most of them don't even know about Muay Thai, right? They think Anderson Silva is Muay Thai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I feel like that's Texas, right? Anderson Silva, Muay Thai is, uh, is Texas. And by the way, Anderson Silva can fight. There's no correlation between being able to fight and not being real Muay Thai, but I think you know, that's that's Muay Thai in Texas, Anderson Silva, from my from 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 what I've seen so far. It, it, it's interesting, man. Texas, the Texas Muay Thai community, when you really break it down, it's a lot larger than people think. Hmm. But because, like you said, Muay Thai is not a mainstream um, household thing that we hear about, such as the UFC every weekend or your, your Muay Thai fighters aren't you know, your, your, your most iconic profiles on TV. We don't get that feeling here in Texas. And on top of that, there's just not a lot of Muay Thai fights in Texas, period. I think there's one promotion here in Texas that actually puts on Muay Thai fights. It's XKO. Mm-hmm. All the other promotions that, that actually do Muay Thai in Texas are either, you know, non-sanctioned fights or more smokers or they call it kickboxing. Mm-hmm. So that, I, th- I think that's one of the things that's really, you know, stunted the progress and the growth of Muay Thai here in Texas, especially considering we have such a large Muay Thai community. Just here in the DFW area, think about this. We've got Rojas Muay Thai. We've got Saxon Muay Thai. Those are, are two of the most prolific Muay Thai schools in all of Texas. Saxon, seven-time world champion from Thailand. I mean, and he's been here 20 plus years. Oh, wow. Um, Rojas. Rojas Muay Thai is some of the most technical Muay Thai you'll, you'll see, man. They, they, they're a really good school. They're really good teachers. You know, they, it is what it is. Outside of that, Saxon's had so many students who come, come out and have started their own schools. Ohana. Mona, um, the owner at Mohana, she's the own, owner at Ohana. I'm mixing up all the names now. <laughs> Mona, the owner at Ohana, is one of my mentors. Great Muay Thai over there as well. But a lot of people just don't know that. Um, Chase Green, I think he, he, the, the school he has is called Fit and Fight. Another Saxon student, started his own school. Great Muay Thai. Siam Star up here in Allen, another Muay Thai school. But no one knows these places are there. You get what I'm saying? It's like there's just no notoriety as a result. But the Muay Thai community here is, I'd have to say, pretty large considering the circumstances. And it's, it's, it's mind-blowing why we don't see more official Muay Thai fights here in Texas, because we should. You know, I, I look, a lot of the Texas Muay Thai community is having to go to Oklahoma in order to fight. Oklahoma is not known for Muay Thai. Name a Muay Thai school out of Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, can't name <laughs> so, anything out of Oklahoma. I, I, I don't get it. A lot of people try to blame it on... Um, Muay Thai not being as exciting as MMA, but if you uh, if you listen to MMA purists, you know what they love in MMA? The stand-up. They yeah. want to see the bang. Well, that's why don't you watch Muay Thai? Well, I think that's why one that's why one is having so much success. But I mean, what do you think? I think it's just a promoter. I think Dana White is a uh, a hell of a promoter. You know what I'm saying? I think. Oh, absolutely, I mean, absolutely. He just monopolized. I mean, you know, Muay Thai needs a Dana White. Because who who's the guy that owns Evolve that's doing it with one? One is doing it in Europe and yeah. Netherlands and Singapore and all that. I, so I was telling you about there's a promotion here in Texas, XKO, and mm-hmm. they're they're doing both. They're doing MMA fights as well as Muay Thai fights. And I, I think that's been interesting and I'm really interested to see how they're gonna evolve that, especially once I guess some of the restrictions lift up um, because of COVID. I think that's been another thing that's really hampered the ability to, to progress Muay Thai here in, in Texas. Um, here recently, you, you fought on a promotion, Fury Kickboxing uh, Point Muay Thai Tournament. Um, and th- I think that's another thing that's going on. There's, there's such this negative connotation towards not only Muay Thai, but smokers, exhibitions, um, anything outside of a commission-sanctioned fight. Hmm. And Muay Thai and the commission, for whatever reason, I, I, I don't know why, 
the two just aren't jiving very well right now. A lot of people say, oh, the reason why is because people keep putting on these smokers. Well, uh, vice versa, it's hard to make money for as a promoter in Muay Thai. People aren't showing up for Muay Thai events. People aren't as interested in Muay Thai, but MMA for some reason they are. And I, I don't know what the disconnect is. Uh, for some reason, you know, it's happening. I wish there was a way to fix it because I, I honestly feel like Muay Thai is a lot more exciting than MMA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I 100% and I believe that it will. But, but just here's my thesis for business in general. And I might be right, I might be wrong. But you remember like back in the day where you had one Oprah? Like, you, had, you, know, you had what? You had like one Oprah. Mm -hmm. You know, and you have, um, we only had capacity for, for one person in that segment in our head. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm -hmm. it was, you know, um, and it was Hollywood, right? Or it was the three big news networks. So you just have one. And I think, I think what the internet is exposing in, in, in all these businesses that are, are struggling is, um, the, the, the world continually moving from democratization, right? I use the example of 200 years ago, you had kings and, 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 and serfs or whatever, right? And we've been evolving towards that. And the internet's saying, okay, there's not one Oprah. There's all these influencers, right? You know, Oprah was a billionaire, so maybe they're not going to be an influencer that's a billionaire. The Kardashians, maybe that's an example, but I just mean moving forward. You can have a lot of, um, you know, people that build a $20 million empire you know what I'm saying, on the internet uh, versus one big billionaire. And I think that's also the case with Muay Thai. I don't, I don't know if Muay Thai is going to be UFC, you know, but I think there's an opportunity by changing the model for Muay Thai to make a lot of people like a decent living. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe not white money because he did it pre-internet. Um, I, I do think that's a, another big factor in, in, in the, I guess, the lack of follow-up for Muay Thai is the fact that it's here in the States, it's hard to make money as a Muay Thai fighter. Um, whereas in MMA, it's not as, not as hard. You can make some bigger money in MMA. And, and one is doing it. I don't know how one is doing it. Like they're, they're paying guys, Rod Tang's making big money and they put up, they put the fights free on the internet. And I'm, yeah. just, I'm like, you know, the model is, I, I don't, I haven't looked into what they're doing, but I'm like, whatever they're doing, we need to do here. It, uh, so th the majority of your money as a promoter and um, in fight promotions is going to come from the sponsorships and the advertisers. And okay. I, I'm willing to bet you that's what's going on with one. They, they, they're probably, you know, raking in big money from advertisers and they're willing to go ahead and put those shows on for free, put them on the internet for free because those advertisers have paid and those advertisers are benefiting as a result because think about how many one fights you're watching now as a result of them being up there and seeing those advertisers. So mm -hmm. I, I'm willing to bet you that that's where a lot of that money's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exciting. I, I just started going down that path, but I'm, I'm that, that, that part gets me excited. I'm like, I know Muay Thai is going to be big and it's going to be some money. Cause like you said, it's, it's way more entertaining than UFC. I struggle to watch UFC now cause I'm on YouTube watching all the one fights. You know, I'll watch a UFC fight if it's a big one like Khabib and Gaethje. I'm not watching Anderson Silva get beat up by Uriah Hall. <laughs> Old school Anderson would have whooped uh, Uriah, man. So are you going to watch that fight tonight or no? No, man, I ain't watching that fight. I'm not. Oh, I'm, bro, I'm, come I'm, on. I'm watch the clips on Instagram tomorrow of, of him KOing <laughs> Anderson Silva in the third round or something like Anderson that. can surprise you, man. You know that. Uh, he he came in, but he just need to stop. I'm like, come on. <laughs> he just destroyed his legacy. For you know, that's interesting you say that. I, I feel like you're, to some degree you're right. I, I also agree with him for the reason he, he decided to continue fighting, man. He, he, he felt like, not that he could have been competitive, but he, loved, he loves fighting. And that's why he's continuing it. And I, I get that. I feel like that very often myself, man. One of the big reasons I, 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 I'm not taking any fights at my age right now isn't because I don't want to fight, man. My girlfriend is, is hard on me. She's like, if you even enter another fight camp, I'm leaving you. Don't you ever <laughs> think about fighting again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah. So, 
but you know, even at my age, there's still this fire in me that I, I, I want to get out there. I want to go do it. Yeah, you know, I know at this point in my life, it's not the wisest thing. It's not the smartest thing. The likelihood is that I, I can't be competitive. But in my mind, in my heart, you know, my love and my joy for this, I want to go do it no matter what. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel it, man. That's why I had to. That's why I had to 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 give myself a max because I'm 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 too competitive now. I gotta be. I I need to before January. This is my goal, Coach. I think I want January to be like probably my last fight. And the fact that I'm saying probably scares me. But what I'm saying is I need to. I need to find something to look forward to beyond that. That still drives me to get better, you know, but that doesn't depend on me trying to test my metal in the ring, you know. It, <laughs> it, it's the dilemma that a lot of fighters go through, man. It's like <clears throat> for me to train at the level that I know I can train at, I have to have a goal, such as a fight. <laughs> if there's no fight at the end of this, what am I doing this for? Why do I want to? Why do I want to put myself through this pain, through the, these trials and tribulations, and and all this hard work when I'm not going to get you know that that joy at the end of it with my hand being raised or something? You get what I'm saying? Uh -huh. A lot of fighters go through that, man. It's, you see it all the time. You, you see these these coaches or these fighters who 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 who've had these stories, careers, and then when, once they start to slow down, they they gain weight, they get big on my belly now and and that's why it's like the you know without that that raising my hand at the end i don't have the same gusto to want to do it you get what i'm saying that 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 feeling is like a drug very yeah. much so and what yeah. once you taste that if you know you're not going to get that you don't want to go through the work to get <laughs> yep 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 okay, we, got, we got to figure out something because uh yeah my, my, my wife like a girlfriend she's like she's like wait I've been doing training camp for like what well, we've been doing two weeks, and I, and I told her I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing, another, I'm, uh, I'm fighting in January, and she said, wait, what? I was like, I thought you knew. I told you I was in training camp. That's what a training camp is, preparation for a, a fight. She was like, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna have to talk off air about some of the benefits of being in training camp that your your your, your wife will be happy about. <laughs> well, we, we we definitely would do that. Well, uh -huh. But no, I um, uh, we got to do this again because I had a lot, a lot of questions that um, I didn't get to. But I definitely want the last one. But I don't want to hold you too long. Combat Sports Podcast is yeah. like my favorite podcast about UFC. And again, I'm Combat Sports Talk Podcast, and I'm not um, uh, I'm not just saying this because wrong. Like I legitimately like love the podcast, right? Because here's what I talk about the internet. That since you can't just have one there's people who might like these personalities, people who might like these personalities. Y'all's personalities, like, I get the jokes. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? I get the references. It makes sense. I'm like, ah, I know exactly what he's talking about, right? And I, and I love that, right? And your knowledge of the game, you know, y'all are students. So, you know, how, how'd y'all get started with that? Let everybody know what platform it's on, too. We're on most of your major podcast platforms, Spotify. We're on YouTube. Um, we also do several live shows on Facebook as YouTube and YouTube as well. But any of your major uh, podcast platforms, you can find us on. Again, that's Combat Sports Talk. Um, we're about 147 or 148 episodes deep into the show. Um, the show was originally started by Ryan Smith. And I think at the time, probably John Keyes. And I think Casey was like a, um, a, a pop-in co-host. I might have that backwards. I came on the show about two years ago. Um, when I was teaching at Title, Ryan uh, Smith happened to be one of the members at Title, and it, he would show up to my class every now and then. He, he liked the boxing a little bit more back then, even though he had a combat sports podcast. <laughs> and so, but he, he, for some reason, he really liked my class, even though he didn't want to kick, you know, that, back to that thing about Black people not wanting to kick. Ryan is, um, is, is a much larger dude, and I convinced him at some point coming to my class to go ahead and kick. And I think he threw one heavy kick on that bag, and after that, he was like, oh, yes, I do like this. <laughs> <laughs> he heard that nice snap when he did it just right. Um, and Ryan and I have been really, really tight ever since, man. He, he's a wonderful human being, very, very highly intelligent. Um, and he's been a joy and a benefit in my life, man. I can't speak enough and highly of that brother, but he is the founder 
I guess you would say, CEO of Combat Sports Talk and mm-hmm. has consistently sought to improve the podcast to the platform that it's on now, what, what you see now. Uh, he's, he's gone through those stages of having a startup and building it and building it and improving, receiving feedback and things like that. If you look at some of the processes we've gone through, um, two years ago, we weren't, um, we weren't doing video. It, I think it was all audio. Um, then around the time when I came in, we started doing live shows at a venue here in, in Plano, Texas at Austin Avenue. So all of the pay-per-view events, we would, we would meet up as a group or not. We, Ryan and I, for the most part, and we started doing live shows there in, in the, in the bar, Hmm. which became rather interesting because you can imagine having a bunch of people around you drinking alcohol and they see this on air light and they walk up and interrupt whatever you got going on. But it, for the most part, it worked out really, really well. So we were doing live shows at Austin Avenue and the show began growing um, and getting better. And we were doing our weekly show, typically is done on Monday nights. I think we go live about 10.30 p.m. Um, on Facebook and YouTube. And then the, the actual uh, broadcast is put on our other platforms to early Tuesday morning. Um, the live shows were becoming a big hit. We started having guests on and started doing interviews here recently. I, I recently just interviewed Derwin Lamb out of uh, Lamb Striking here in the, the Dallas area. Uh, we got several interviews um, on, on coming up here soon. TJ's going to be one of those. You're going to be one of those. Uh, Coach Will from Fury Kickboxing is also on set to interview. I actually also want to interview Daniel, the owner of Krav Maga DFW. Um, but the, like I said, the evolution of the podcast over the past few years has really taken off, I, I would say, over the last two, two and a half years. Not because of me, by no means. It, it's, it's Ryan really pushing to make that podcast better. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, what do um, the overachievers or what do the, the top performers do that the underachievers don't? And with Ryan, that is it. He consistently lays down the format, builds this program, lays out an outline, and he's just really good at it, man. I, I'd really love for you to meet that brother one day. I think the two of you would jive really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very smart, very intellectual brother, and he, he's got his stuff together, man. I, he, he's one of those people I'm, I'm glad he's in my life. Mm-hmm. I look at him and, and I, I, I see so much room for improvement in myself as a result of being affiliated with him. Yeah, no, that's 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 a dope perspective, man. My my last podcast episode, I talked about, I talked about jealousy, and I talked about, <clears throat> I talked about just raw emotion. I was like, listen, you, you know, you can't, um, you're gonna feel fear, right? And if you're honest with yourself, you're gonna feel jealousy. I was like, but it's 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 how you think about it. I say so. I love to have people around me that make me jealous because if you context it right, it's like. Oh man, we, we all got, if, if you got a group of folks, you all need, you need to have people who are better in different areas than you are, right? Because when you feel yeah. that jealousy, don't, don't sit on it, catch it, don't judge yourself, right? And say, oh, I'm happy for that brother and I'm glad that they're in my life, like you said, so that I can try to get better, right? I think a lot of people feel that and they're like, dang, man, they, 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 they feel that jealousy and they go, I want to take that from him. You know, I want to push that person down so yeah. I can... It- they don't know how to twist that around to, to make themselves better. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. But, and like I said, Ryan's one of those guys, he wants to make you better, man. He, he's done some things for me that I can't help but, but think to myself, like he genuinely wants me to get better, to do better. Just in talking to me about my branding, um, talking to me about business things, um, and just trying to help me and assist me in those formats, man. Uh, he, he, he's really been a go-to guy for me. Some of the other hosts on the podcast, John Keyes, we call him our resident historian. Um, although actually, I think I'm probably older than John. So what? So he's a funny guy, right? The one that's the, yeah. the jokester. Yeah, he, he is, man. He, he, he's, he's our resident historian, our resident conspiracy theorist, and a few other things as well. But yeah, John, John's got some jokes, man. He, he's, he's a very good character, um, former military guy. Um, I think he works in IT as well. And then our... The other host on the show, Casey Onyebuchi. Um, this, this brother's up in Colorado. Uh, another genius guy. Very, very insightful. He's one of those guys who he reflects upon things. He looks at things that take place in the real world, and then he goes back and reflects and almost pulls, I wouldn't say a spiritual connotation out of it, but just some of those golden nuggets that you can take home 
when it comes to philosophy or, or how to how to transpose things that happen in the real world into your daily life or into your your I guess your emotional your emotional life, you know, the, the way you, you see things and, and visualize, visualize things on a, on a more personal level. And then, of course, you've got me, I, I guess, um, you know, I, on the show, I'm considered more of the MMA analyst, how to break things down, um, because I had that jiu-jitsu background as well as the striking background. My jiu-jitsu is, is null and void. Please don't don't take me for whatever in jiu-jitsu. I was a white, a two-stripe white belt for <laughs> 10 years now. Um, the last time I really trained jiu-jitsu was probably about, uh, I'm guessing probably about four or five years ago. And even then, I, 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 I didn't get into jiu-jitsu to belt up. That, that's everybody's excuse who doesn't belt up. But okay. I, I probably trained jiu-jitsu for about four or five years total. In, in terms of skill level, you know, I'm, I'm a blue belt maybe. Um, but I, I did have the fortune of, of teaching jujitsu to some degree, which definitely helped me increase that skill set. Um, so on the podcast, I'm the, the resident MMA analyst. They, they like to look to me to break things down or to, to tell you what it is I'm seeing or why someone should or shouldn't do things. And honestly, that has helped my fight IQ. Mm. Yep, yep. Last question and we'll go. So what's, 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 what's the best fighting style? This might be a loaded question, right? But- <laughs> You know, but but like for example, if you you think you know a wrestler versus Muay Thai, who wins? Or a boxer, like who you know who who has the ultimate? Uh, if if the, if the fighters think the same, they have the same mentality, they have the same experience level. Who who wins in the fight? What's the best style? That's a really difficult one to answer. I would say based off just the training regimens and things like that. I'd have to give it to the wrestlers for the most part. One, wrestling helps dictate where this fight takes place, whether I take you to the ground or whether we stay standing. Wrestling pretty much can nullify most of the other factors in a fight. Wrestling can help nullify boxing. It can help nullify kicks. So it can help nullify your Muay Thai. Your Muay Thai is better poised to deal with it because of the, the clinch work. And I think a lot of wrestlers don't understand the difference between wrestling and per se clinch, because there is quite a difference. Um, vice versa, it can also work against the Muay Thai guy. Wrestling and jiu-jitsu. I still feel like wrestling beats jiu-jitsu in many situations, or at least overwhelms jiu-jitsu just because of the pace that wrestlers are able to keep up. Um, but in jiu-jitsu, it's only a matter of time before I catch you in a submission. You know, if I can just hang on, hang on, hang on. And then that last second wind up with a triangle. I'm good, I'm golden. It doesn't matter that I've lost the last five minutes of this fight. You got caught in that triangle and you're not going anywhere tonight. Well, we just saw that with Khabib. We know Khabib's wrestling is stellar. We know Jace, Justin's wrestling is, is great. How many times have you ever seen Khabib triangle somebody? Yeah, Normally it's ground and pound, which is basic wrestling 101. And, and so in, in that sense, you know, wrestling does have uh, an Achilles heel, but overall, if I had to say what style is best poised to deal with any other style, it, I'd have to say it's wrestling, unfortunately. I love my Muay Thai, don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it wasn't loaded. I guess it wasn't loaded. Something to think about. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I definitely appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Let everybody know how they can find you if they're interested in coming to a class, getting some, yeah. getting some training. Cause, and, and by the way, let me preface this. For y'all who are listening who just uh, who aren't hyper competitive and just want to be in shape. I mean, I'm a, I, I, I've, um, I love sports. I love sports all my life. I don't know a better workout than Muay Thai. Cause I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing workout, right? So if you just want to work out, I recommend you come check out and, and, and work out with George. Like you're going, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's, it is, it is a wonderful way to get in shape, man. Um, one of the, best and e- I wouldn't say easiest ways. It, Muay Thai is very challenging and it, it, it will have you uh, examining your life choices. <laughs> yes, sir. But it, it definitely is, it is a way to shape up, tone up, um, and reinvigorate your life. If, if you're one of those people out in life who, who's you know somewhat lost the zeal for it, doesn't want to train, 
having a hard time deciding how to, to turn things around, taking a Muay Thai class or, or, or studying Muay Thai period can change your life, man. And by all means, go out, check it out, try it out. And if not Muay Thai, maybe some other martial art, go out and, and do so. All roads lead to the path. You know, if that's your goal is to get in, in, into shape, get out, go try a class. You've got somebody who's orchestrating that class. If they're a great instructor, they're, they're, they're pl planning those classes ahead of time and they're, they're tying things together. It's not just haphazardly show up and okay, lift this. It, it is someone who's putting together a program and trying to lead you or take you on a path to, to help you arrive at your goals. So um, to find me, the easiest way to find me is on social media. Uh, my Instagram is darkside underscore Muay Thai underscore. Um, on Facebook, I'm George Stallworth. Um, our podcast, Combat Sports Talk. You can find us again on all your major platforms as well as social media on um, um, where else can you find me? Also, Krav Maga DFW. Um, you can go to our website to sign up for a free trial class. Come out, please, by all means, try a class. You can see Philip in class kicking. <laughs> yep, I will be there tomorrow morning. Do we do we have to um, – we got to run tomorrow morning too? Oh, yes, brother. That, I like how you're going to put me on the spot on the podcast. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Philip's in, in fight camp right now with about six, maybe seven other guys. And so we, we, I lay down some fight camp protocols. One of the protocols is that every class, no matter what, prior to class, they have to be there 15 minutes early to take a, a light jog. That's all we're going to call this. What is it? Maybe a mile, Philip? The jog is hard. It's the jog in 40-degree weather. In Muay Thai shorts on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, like, all right, I'll, be there. I'll be there early, ready. All right. But I uh, pre appreciate you doing this. Anytime, bro. I I'm looking forward to having you on our show as well here soon. Um, and anything I can do to help, man, by all means, let me know. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.